1: <laughs> oh, it's another week of Burst 365 with your mac guys, Jody McDonald, John McMullen, and this week we wait. Oh, the lot's going to go down. A lot went down over the weekend, that much more this upcoming week. No actual football games played because we have a bye week before the season starts, which annoys me no end, but we march on. We forward ourselves. To get ready for the 2021 season, Jody McDonald, John McMullen. Johnny Mac. How was the Eagle preseason game on Friday, which I didn't
2: make? Ooh, you're lucky, man. First of all, I mean, I thought they were going to cancel the game. I've never seen nothing. I've never seen anything like it. I the the storms that hit MetLife Stadium before the game. I mean, Dave Sangara, buddy, he got his car got hit by lightning. It died. Yeah, getting off the the New Jersey Turnpike, it got hit by lightning. He's fine, thankfully. While still in motion, uh, I, I I didn't get the whole story, but uh, his car died. Obviously, he had to call AAA. Had to leave it up there. So I hope Dave's all right. By the way, but hopefully I'll see him today. But um, he's all right, basically. Um, yeah, and and. You know, when the when the torrential downpours came, there were bubbles on the field. The field was bubbling up (laughs) like it was lava, like it was a a volcano. I saw some video of that, yes. Yeah, everybody was coming out to take a look at this. I know Zach Ertz had said he never saw anything like it before. Jason Kelsey, of course, is a knucklehead. He's doing the old going out like a baseball player sliding. Uh, in the rain, right. but uh, it was it was it was a scene, man. And you know they had a lot of uh, uh, NFL Jets, Eagles executives. Joe Douglas came out, obviously Howie Roseman. You got to sense before the game it was going to be a Brian Billick, you know, better in stadium situation where they were going to say we're not. That. Gonna play. And by the way, if it were closer to kickoff, because this happened about three hours before kickoff, two and a half hours maybe. If it were closer to the game, they would have canceled that game. They, they, they pushed it back a half hour. And to be honest, I think they would have liked to have canceled the game. But you already have fans there. Little few fans. You know Jets preseason games. Not many people show up to them. Um, but fans were already in the parking lot in the stadiums. They ended up kick, kicking it back a half hour. And As I said, the only thing that saved that game was the timing. It was It was outrageous. Uh, quick quick
1: aside, you're truly supposed to go, myself, my daughter, with tickets, not as a media member. And uh, I had a dentist appointment at 11 o'clock shortly after we wrapped up Birds 365 here on Friday. So I went and I had to have three different teeth pulled. Uh, so they gave me Percocet for the pain. And it was like I didn't feel anything when I had them pulled because they shot me well full of Novocaine. As a matter of fact, I got home, I bled all over myself. I'm just drooling blood, made it all the way through my beard, onto my nice light blue shirt. My wife said, get that shirt. Just go take your clothes off. Usually good when your wife says take your clothes off, but it wasn't really all that good for me. Um, So I laid down. The pills started to kick in. I called my daughter in the middle of the afternoon and said, yeah, I'm going nowhere. I don't know about you. You want to use the tickets. Go ahead. Fine, but I'm going nowhere fast. She said, Dad, have you seen the weather forecast? I said, no. She goes supposed to be torrential rain. I hadn't even, not even heard that until my daughter told me she's not going either. So we ended up eating the tickets. No big deal. Uh, But yeah, none of the McDonald's attended the game. But it ended up great game right down to the wire, tied on the last play of the game. And yeah. you were still riveted in your seat in the press
2: box. I was not riveted. Actually, I wasn't. I had already gone downstairs inside. I, I thought the game was over like everybody else. You never count out the Jets.
1: Don't ever do that, McMullen. You learned a lesson on Monday. Do not count out the Jets.
2: Well, yeah, the game's over no matter what. Ends up in a tie. I, I, I do think, you know, I felt bad for Mike Chiquette because people are killing the poor kid. He makes a play, you know, to strip the football and score the touchdown. And, and then everybody's after the game. Well, if you take taking knee, the game's over right there. It is. But, you know, you're trying to make a play. You're trying to make a splash play. And then ultimately he was also involved in a bad way with the Hail Mary. So, you know, turn from hero to goat if he can be a hero with a preseason win. but So I felt a little bit bad for him. I felt a little bit bad for Nick Sirianni because, you know, he thought he had his first NFL win, albeit preseason. Didn't happen. Maybe learn from it. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna have Brian Paganetti, game management, Doug Peterson's game management, uh, sort of specialist, data, data analytics specialist. You know, maybe you learn something about game management if you're Nick Sirianni. So maybe there's some positives you can take out of it.
1: Which, by the way, I, hold on, I, I'm gonna try and not injure myself while patting myself on the back. Uh, did I not ask you the question on Friday? Will there be an Eagle player who will come up big in Friday's game who you really don't think has a chance to make the team, but they make such a big play that they enhance their chances and uh, the Eagle fans will be talking about it before the cut. Oh, we got to keep this guy. we got to keep this guy. Do you remember that conversation we had? I
2: do remember that conversation. I don't think that happens, but, uh, you know, not fan-wise. Fan-wise it happens. I mean, team-wise. I mean, evaluation-wise. I don't think anybody's swaying anything on one particular play, but um, I hear what you're saying from a fan perspective. Did yeah. did, did
1: I not say pick six for Michael Jackhead? Uh yes, and you were almost correct. It wasn't. A, it was a strip Trip. strip fumble recovery and taken right. in for a touchdown, which is better than a pick six. Yeah, yeah. Except you're right. He should have actually taken it and gotten yeah. the game over and done with. But he's trying to make the team, so you know where he's coming from. Um, yeah, I don't think Duquette's going to make the team. So, uh, But I just thought it was a fun question to ask. And, damn it, Michael, even if you don't make the team, buddy, you're one of my guys now. You came up big for me. You made me look like I knew what I was talking about on Friday's uh, Birds 365. So I hope you're on the practice squad. I hope you get a chance to make a play this now, year. I think
2: it. I think he's definitely going to be on the practice squad because I think uh, he's going to clear waivers. And by the way, he's probably the sixth corner. So if you keep six corners, he's probably going to make the team. Personally, I don't think he's done enough to make the team, but we'll see. There's a lot of uncertainty, as I said, with this year more than ever. And you've heard it from guys who've been on the show saying the same thing. We don't don't have as good a feel as we typically do this time of year when Doug Peterson was here. And you could pretty much whittle it down to two or three players. This guy might be here. This guy might not be here. I say you're about – 47, maybe, solids. And and there's a lot of back-end stuff uh, that could happen on this roster. And by the way, I think it's going to happen. You know, we've already seen one trade that we're going to have to talk about, and that's going to be big news And who knows what kind of way. And Gardner Minshew arriving, and then you might have more trades. I know you're going to have some waiver wire pickups. So there's – you know, when they cut down to 53 – which might happen today because the Eagles are practicing this afternoon, which is a weird sort of schedule quirk. I can't imagine they're going to have people that are going to cut practice. So we might get that announcement later this morning or early this afternoon because the practice is, I think, at 1.30. Kind of a weird schedule quirk. Um, You're going to have a lot of movement even when you get down to that 53. And you have the extra time as well to juggle the roster, as you mentioned, because week one isn't this weekend coming up. It's the weekend after. So there's a lot of time as well.
1: All right. Let me ask you a couple quick questions on the guys who they already cut. The Eagles got them through waivers early. I don't believe any of them were claimed. Um, Corey Angeline, uh, Jaquan Bailey, uh, Elijah Holyfield, uh, your boy, who didn't make a big play for you, Mr. Michael, like you thought he might on Friday, and uh, uh, Rashad Smith. Any of these guys, potential practice squad guys, in your mind?
2: I think Bally might be. Um, he's an undrafted rookie from uh, Iowa State defensive end. He's clearly not big enough. He's not strong enough. Had You think about all the difficulties the Eagles had stopping the run in the preseason, especially in the second half when guys like Bally – and Rashad Smith were out there another guy was released they really struggled trying to stop the run uh in Bailey's case he's just not big enough just not strong enough so maybe if you get a, a year sort of with an NFL training staff maybe you can turn into to an NFL level prospect and remember it's 16 deep uh the practice squad instead of normal you know we never got to 12 it was supposed to go from 10 to 12 last year, but because of COVID, they bumped it up to 16. It's supposed to be 12 again this year, but because of COVID, they bumped it up to 16. So it's much larger now. So you you have room for guys like who probably wouldn't have made it before, but want to make it now. Elijah Holyfield too, only for this reason. Guy's the hardest worker on the team, man. If you ever go to high school practice, high school football practice, there's always that one kid who's who spurs to every drill, who spursed in every, you know, gas or whatever they got him doing. That's Elijah Holyfield with the Eagles. He's spurs to everything. He's such a hard worker. Uh, so you might want that around your team. Uh, and as I said, you have those extra spots on the practice squad, so why not? So I would give him an outside chance as well. Elijah Holyfield's
1: <laughs> nickname, Rudy. Is that what they call him around <laughs> there?
2: They call him probably the real deal because
1: of the, <laughs> <dad>. <laughs> the real deal practice player. We shall see. Um, before we get Ryan Paganetti up, uh, Paganetti up. Let's uh, just spend a couple minutes talking about Gardner Minshew, Howie Roseman, the wheeler dealer that he is. Couldn't <laughs> let a regular season arrive without a spring trade in there. I- I've read every account, listened to calls on WIP. Uh, it's a good trade. Anytime you can get a guy who's been a starter in, in a the vacuum, it's a
2: good trade. Right. In a vacuum, it's a good trade. It absolutely you think, is. You would think Howie Roseman would have learned from last year, things don't exist in a vacuum.
1: Right. And we gotta see it play itself out. And it might play itself out well. It could play itself out mediocre. Um, <laughs> or
2: tip you can go to the other direction too tip well, it all the way.
1: You can't know cuz you're only giving up a sixth round pick. How bad can it be?
2: No, you're that, right from the that perspective. That sixth round
1: pick turns into a an all-pro player that someone takes with the Eagles pick in the sixth round, second no. sixth round next no, year. I agree
2: with. I agree with you from that perspective. Here's what this tells to me. Here's here's what this Oh, I, tells I know me. where you're going. Okay, I see where you're going. Here here here's what this tells me. They don't believe in Jalen Hurts. They don't, believe. nor should they, by the way. I don't have any problem with that. He's an unproven quarterback. There's a lot of uncertainty. They can't get Deshaun Watson. We've reported this for months. Now it's out there. He doesn't want to play here. He's got a no trade clause. The Eagles have been doing their due diligence. They want the player behind the scenes. Look, if nobody else bites and he's got no other options, maybe revisits. That's always been the Eagles plan. So let's put Deshaun Watson off to the side as well. So what do you do? You know you don't have your, your long-term quarterback. Your long-term quarterback is probably in in, in, in Norman, Oklahoma now or, or or Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, he's not here. So, you know, until you get that guy, why not get more darts to throw at the dartboard? And that's what I think they did. I don't think that's a bad strategy. I do think it's an interesting strategy considering what they went through last season with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and the effect. You know, the Eagles have planned, whether people want to believe this or not, and I don't give a blind you-know-what, the Eagles' plan for Jalen Hurts was this to be a cost-effective backup Correct. for three years and then spin him off and trade him and try to get an asset in return when he, when he hopefully played well in the preseason, hopefully showed other teams around this league quarterback-desperate teams that he was a worthy starting-level player. The long-term answer was already here. It was Carson Wentz. It derailed horribly. Now you're bringing in a kid who, by the way, is much more proven than the starting quarterback and thinks, by the way, he should be competing with the uber-talented Trevor Lawrence, and you think he's going to waltz into Philadelphia as the third-string quarterback and say – this guy who's done nothing is better with that personality, with that Fitzpatrick-like personality. Well, I, I don't, I from that perspective, Jody, uh, I don't know when you talk about chemistry, when you talk about locker room, when you talk about rookie head coach, hey, hey, Nick Sirianni, go manage this guy with the mustache and the big personality. And by the way, if Jalen Hurts struggles early in the season with that freaking personality, he's going to be the most popular guy in town.
1: Well, oh, I'll tell you one guy who loses out on this Joe Flacco. I'm not even talking about poor Joe. Because Flacco, Flacco, will, be the, Flacco will be the backup. Him. If Jalen Hurts goes out and gets hurt in week one, the first guy off the bench is going to be Flacco. It's not yeah. going to be Garson uh, Gardner, no, no matter what he are. says, no matter how big a personality he has. It's going to be Flacco. Oh, but Flacco will be scrutinized like you read about. The The minute he throws a bad pass, throws a Warren burner, overthrows a wide receiver, Gardner, Gardner, Gardner. Yes, the Eagle fans will be chiming in, which is the reason why I asked you the question before the show started. You guys get to make requests of the Eagles. We'd like to talk to this guy. Who are you going to make available on Zoom? I got to believe Gardner Minshew is the most requested player on the Philadelphia Eagles today. If you're submitting your request for who to speak to, and you said, oh, they'll get us Gardner. I said, I don't know. Uh, The Eagles are a little on the paranoid side. They can be. And what you and I just went through as a potential scenario with some drama in the quarterback room, I think they may keep Gardner on the wraps until after the season starts.
2: Um, I don't think we'll see. I mean, we'll see today. They should have him available today. I said 99%. I said a hundred percent. He'd be available. And then I have never, I can't recall them not giving us a player acquired via trade with any kind of, of, of uh, reputation whatsoever. So, um, it it would stick out like a sore thumb. They're going to get some backlog if they if they they're going to they're they're going to hear some criticism and that they don't give us Gardner Minshew. I don't think there's even a remote chance that that could happen. Now you said who we request all the time. We've been requesting Zach Ertz since day one, and they haven't given us how's, Zach. Yeah, Ertz. how's that going for you? So, but again, I can't come up with a scenario where a player was acquired whether it's free agency trade, and, and they did not provide him to the media. So, I, you know, if they do that, they're setting a new precedent, and they're going to get killed for it. That's more than anything else.
1: Uh, just just remember what you heard it here first. You think it's going to be
2: today. I don't think it's going to be today or tomorrow or the next day. Well, today I'm not, because they, they could throw up while he's traveling. He's got to pass the physical COVID there's COVID things. I don't even know the stinking rules now. Uh, can he be in the building? Can he not be in the building? Um, there's so many, they could lean on that for a little while, but not, not a long period. And, and by the way, behind the scenes, while they're leaning on that, They're going to be saying, look, Gardner, um, you know, do this, do that. Say you want to compete, but, you know, don't say you want to be the starter, that kind of stuff. You know, they prepare people for Mm. these situations as well. But But to me, that's ancillary. That's who cares? To me, the biggest point of this is this guy truly believed that he should be competing with Trevor Lawrence. So if you think, that he doesn't want to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, you're nuts. Well, of course he does. Everybody,
1: the, every third-string quarterback in the league believes you'd be the starter. That's why they're in the league. They're that competitive. So just wanting to be that but there's level a difference. Player.
2: There's a difference because Nick Foles was the exact opposite. Nick Foles is the backup mm-hmm. quarterback, right? He, he accepted that role. Did he want to compete behind the scenes? Yeah. Of course everybody who plays professional sports should want to com- compete but there's different th- there's different uh, personalities different philosophies you know pinch hitters in baseball I always used to like that anolo- analogy you might have 10 better players but they can't be a good pinch hitter because they can't they can't go up there once or twice a week and say okay I'm going to get this great at bat they need Extra bats they need to get in the blow. You have to have a special type of personality to be be a good backup quarterback in this league, and not everybody has it. Which, by the way, do we have any idea that Gardner Minshew is at? No, none. no, none whatsoever. Because he's
1: been a starter for his two years in the league. And by the way, I've seen like our buddy Ruben Frank put up a column about
2: stats. Oh, don't give me was- the stats, please, with these people. Gardner Minshew's got a better passer rating than Joe Montana. That should tell you all you need to know. It's exactly. a different game. Stop with the stats. Stop. Uh, get just. To, and to- Ryan, Ryan Paganetti's probably listening. I'm talking about Ryan, by the way, before we got to hit a break and we'll bring you on. I'm talking about Gardner Minshew stats comparing them to Joe Montana. It's a different game. So from that standpoint, and Ryan, will probably tell you analytically, that's not really, you know, a
1: comparison. And to put a final point on the analytics of it, Uh, when the Eagles signed Nick Mullins, he's third all-time in the NFL after his first 15 starts in uh, yards past, behind only like Mahomes and some – third in the history of the NFL, most yards in his first 15 starts in the NFL. How'd it work out for Nick Mullins? I told you he couldn't play. The Eagles saw he couldn't play. And that why is why Gardner Minshew is here. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Ryan Paganetti, former Eagles coach, uh, assistant, offensive game management for the Eagles, and Doug Peterson's gonna join us next here on Birds 365.
0: As a hard-working American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Cooley Law Firm and managing partner, Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this.
3: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or commercial residential or or project, project, choose an IBEW Local IBEW 98, IBEW. 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
4: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer and soon, it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com I get
0: scared
5: sometimes.
4: Of a lot of things.
5: Joining in Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: Seven, three. One, two, three, because
5: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: Monday morning edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with you. We've got a special guest, former Eagles coach, game management assistant, right-hand man to Doug Peterson in the last couple of years. Ryan Paganetti joins us here on Birds 365. Coach, Jody Mac and Johnny Mac here. How are you doing this
2: morning?
6: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
2: Doing well. Thrilled to have you, Ryan. I, I, I do want to start because obviously you were the guy in Doug Peterson's ear, but for people who don't know, Ryan was also the assistant linebackers coach as well. So, you kind of had your 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 foot in both camps when you talk about personnel, when you talk about uh, coaching, that part of it, and also the analytics. The Eagles led the NFL in the Doug Peterson era when it came to fourth down conversions, when it came to two-point uh, uh, tries, when it came to, to going for it more than anybody else. So what was it like sort of straddling that line? Because you always hear – Wow, you got the football guys, you got the numbers guys, you kind of straddled it.
6: So for me personally, like I felt felt like it was really sort of a, a positive in terms of like getting buy-in with data from, you know, the coaching side because they had somebody that was sort of with them all the time that was like fairly familiar with the analytics side and the data because I think sometimes you can get, you know, certain uh, like groups like your analytics people and your coaches, maybe they're not on the same page just because of, they have such unique backgrounds that don't really intersect. So I felt like the fact that I had a little bit of experience in both of those was sort of useful to getting like buy-in from the coaching side of things.
1: So all right, tell us the truth. Doug Peterson during his time as Eagles head coach was certainly famous. Some would say infamous. I'll say famous because I thought he was successful at it for going for it on fourth down. How much of that was Doug's gut, Doug's bravado, and or the analytics that you provided to him that said,
6: "Coach, this be a good idea to go for it and pour it down." I would say at the end of the day, it was his decision every single time. But the great thing was that he was so receptive and open to ideas, and like at the very least, like he wanted to consider what the data said in a certain scenario. So whether or not he was going to follow it, like he wanted to know what it said. And I'd say of You know, any NFL coach that I've interacted with, like he was more receptive to the analytics, um, you know, particularly with the fourth and ones, fourth and twos, two point conversions. Like I've never, you know, interacted with anybody that was as receptive as him. And, you know, he really sort of developed confidence, particularly in 2017, that like the fourth downs and the two point conversions, some of these other things were helping. And, you know, once we were kind of rolling and we got a pretty good win streak, like he just he just kind of stuck with it. And, you know, we had a ton of success with that.
2: You know, it's interesting, Ryan, because Frank Wright was nice enough to give me a few minutes after the Super Bowl. And when I, While everybody else was talking about uh, the Philly special or uh, Zach Ertz's touchdown, he was talking about the fourth and one. He was talking about Nick Paul sliding, Zach Ertz making the, the last-minute move, the conversion there, and he says, if we don't make that, the game's over. That was his mind. That was his mm-hmm. mentality because it was a shootout game. He was thinking – okay, if we don't make this, the Patriots are going to go down the field and score. Uh, you talk about receptiveness. Did, did did guys around the league, when the Eagles started to have success with this, did they contact you saying, you know, how do I get my guy, my coach to listen to this kind of stuff, to put pressure on the opponent?
6: So, yeah, you know, first of all, in that scenario you're talking about with Frank, that was sort of an interesting um – scenario for me and i was sort of like grateful that we didn't end up in a more uh complicated situation there but for the most part you know i was usually communicating either on like second or third down like okay you know if we're presented with these situations here's where the analytics would say like strongly go for it here's where it's like more of a toss-up here's where the analytics might say punt but um at that stage of the game in the super bowl it was like third and one from the our own 45 yard line and i was sort of communicating with coach peterson like look if we have a sack or a significant lost yardage play, um, you know, the Patriots have not punted the entire game. These guys yeah. have like 550 yards. And so the from an analytics standpoint, the fourth and one from the minus 45 is like a very strong go for it situation. But I was very concerned of like at what threshold would we have decided to punt there versus go for it? And like, I think we probably settled somewhere around like fourth and five, fourth and six. But if we had gone for say fourth and six from our own 40, down by one with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like that would have been maybe the most controversial fourth down we had ever done. So <laughs> I was like thankful that we didn't lose guys there. <laughs> like, oh man, that's great. But um, yeah, I know, he, particularly when Frank went to um, the Colts, you know, like I talked with some of the guys there and like we sort of interacted on like things that had, we had had some success here and, you know, maybe that, you know, they could adopt there. And I think Frank really is sort of using like a similar model to what we were doing with the Eagles. And like, he's obviously, you know, having a ton of success there, um, particularly with like sort of an unsettled quarterback situation in the last couple of years. But I think more and more, I've sort of interacted with different um, team employees and are like, look, like, do you have any ideas? And, and for me, I was sort of lucky that Coach Peterson was, you know, a new head coach. And I think because of that, he was sort of like not stuck in his way of doing things. And some of these head coaches that maybe have like been around the league for 15, 20 years, As a head coach, like, and they maybe they've won a lot of games, like, they're, in my opinion, a lot less receptive to, you know, some new data or new ideas because they sort of have like a structure and an idea that has worked for them already. But, you know, since Coach Peterson was just starting out, he was a lot more open to it.
1: All right, Ryan. So let me ask you this you use analytics to review what has transpired previously, to make a decision that's going to come in the future, sometime in a matter of seconds when it comes to play calling some of that stuff. Uh, it's immediate. It's got to be immediate. How much can you use analytics looking back and deciding what went wrong, what didn't work out, what should have been your focus rather than what turned into being your focus? It all kind of comes together, as I ask you, what happened last year with four, eleven, and one, where did the, uh, where did the season go wrong?
6: Um, so I think in general, uh, you know, just kind of like what you, I, I jumped on right before, you know, I uh, right, but right before I started talking, I heard you guys talking about like adjustments with like, you know, Joe Montana or Nick Mullins or Minshew and the statistical, you know, information that they had. And I think it's really important to try to like consider like how different the league has become over time and sort of, look being like okay if I'm going to study NFL history or I'm going to study something to make a decision in 2020 like I can't really use you know snaps from 1998 or even snaps from 2005 or like trying to find some kind of sample of plays to work off of that you feel like is most closely similar to the current NFL and um at the end of the day like all of these decisions if you're using analytics like there's going to be a probability associated with them like I like for example I think around the NFL, you know, fourth and ones might convert 65 percent of the time, um, you know, over the last five years or over the last 10 years or so. But at the end of the day, that means that, you know, if you go for it 12, 15 times on the course of a season on fourth and one, like you could convert 12 of them. You could convert three of them. Like there's like a range of how things work out. And then ultimately, like the process behind it, like we want to kind of have a mindset that like, you know, over the long haul like these these uh, ideas would work out more often than not um you know i don't want to get too much in the details of last year why things didn't exactly work i think the simplest answer is if you look at like the teams you know statistical performance the past game dropped off so significantly and i think we were near the bottom of the league in like offensive passing production and at the end of the day like you look at the list of teams his, you know in recent history that is have really struggled passing and the majority of them end up with losing records so i think you know for the eagles in particular like there's an emphasis this year to like really get the pass game back on track and i think you know they've got some you know talented players and the offensive lines coming back and i think in particular people sort of underestimate how challenging that offensive line situation was last year because i think we had like 13 or 14 yeah it's a line combinations in some cases it would be like third and fourth string players playing and um that's challenging, like a particularly for a quarterback or a play caller when you're like worried that, you know, maybe a guard or a tackle might get beaten like instantly off the snap or you have to keep more guys in the protection. And then your pass game's like less lethal. And there's a lot of variables there. But um, it seems like, you know, the, the offensive line looks healthy and they, they uh, that should be a significant boost, you know, for the run and pass game this year.
2: And, and that's the key to it all, isn't it, Ryan, the variables? Because we talk about, you can go on social media. You can tell Jody and I with the gray beards. Obviously, we're, we're much older than you. So, you know, we're the kind of the old school guys. So we're the kind of guys you're trying to convince. You go on social media. Any coach has a fourth and two, say, plus, minus 45, as you were saying. Everybody kills them. If they don't go for it in the modern. You see it all the time. Oh, mm-hmm. you got to go for this. You got to go for this. Now, the Eagles obviously are most receptive. If you look around the league, it was very successful when the personnel was great and clicking on all cylinders, less successful when you had the replacement players. So how do you factor in those variables immediately? You know, you got 40 seconds to make a decision.
6: So I I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's really where, you know, the head coach's evaluation or, you know, the – position coaches evaluations are really critical to like them making an assessment because it is just really just so hard with so many individual variables of individual players to like make, um, you know, a statement. Like, I can't say like, okay, because this left guard's in there and because the quarterbacks at this level, you know, like our conversion rate went from 62% to 57.2%. Like that's, that's a little bit too complicated at this time. And I think that's really where the, where the coach's instinct and feel for the game sort of factors in and like they can make an, a, a, a decision that's really probably more legitimate than what an analytics person could do. I can sort of give them like a baseline of like, all right, here's in like a typical situation or an average situation. But, you know, using your expertise, you know, like you ultimately can kind of like tilt that number directionally, like up or down based on how you feel about the team.
1: Ryan, let me ask you to take off your game management hat and put on your linebacker assistant hat from the last couple mm-hmm. of years. When did you think, man, we might have something special with this Singleton kid? Kind of came out of nowhere. CFL uh, mm-hmm. didn't reach the NFL the way most young linebackers do. When did he pop for you guys that we might have found a diamond in the rough?
6: Um, so I think uh, the first year he was here, it was it was definitely like more of like a learning experience. Like we had a lot of players that were veterans in Coach Schwartz's defense, and you know from the scheme standpoint. You know maybe it was like a guy in their third or fourth year in the same defense like so he was a little bit behind not mentally but just like those guys were basically like graduate experts in the scheme so it was a little bit of like a process for him to uh, you know catch up with those guys but the second season this this uh 2020 um off season you know like one of the things that i was doing is uh i was sort of tracking you know as many uh stats from practice on a daily basis and then like adjusting per like how many uh, reps each guy got in practice so like say for example you know like davion taylor played x amount of snaps in practice and then like this was his production and like adjusting on like a per play basis or tj edwards or whoever but we had this like chart in our linebacker room and it showed you know like here's everyone's production on a per play basis and i'd go back and watch the film every day and Alex Singleton would have so many tackles that all the other players thought I was cheating. And he had some like <laughs> side deal. <laughs> he was, was like, well, like, no I'm telling you, like he somehow is like has double the tackles of everybody else on a per play basis every day, and that really like perked my interest up. You know, he even had a lot of TFLs, and um, he he just was always around the ball, and he wasn't making mental errors, and it was exciting. And I think you know uh, he still was a little bit behind on the depth chart, and then there were some things that changed. I think maybe week four or five last year, and he gets in there and from like a per play basis and a per game basis, he was right near the top of the league and tackles per game. And he did a great job for us. And, um, you know, I'm really happy for him just like in terms of the challenging situation that he's been in. I mean, most of those guys that are like spending a few years in the CFL, they don't get another NFL opportunity. And, you know, he's grinded every single day and, you know, continue to fight for his like dream. And I, um, at this point, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has 150 tackles this year. Yeah,
2: he's he's a very instinctive player. I remember Ken Blodjoe, the first time he told me about Alex, he said when the pads come on, he's going to show up. So he, to me, he kind of knew it a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one for me, Ryan, because I know you got to run. Thrilled to have you. Uh, Ryan Paganetti, Doug Peterson's uh, sort of uh, eye in the sky, in his ear when it talked about the big decisions. It, this is probably the most difficult time for, for the NFL football coach, you get near cut down day. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously you're not the head coach or anything of that nature, but last year was the pandemic, but you had been quality control assistant linebackers. You get to know these guys uh, when they're here from the spring, moving forward, you're trying to help them. How difficult is cut down day
6: from a coach's
2: perspective?
6: I think it's really hard, particularly, you know, when you develop these connections with guys and, you know, like a lot of these players, like this is their dream. Like this is like everything they ever wanted in life. And not only is it their dream, but from like a financial perspective, I mean, it's life changing amount of money, even if you can be on the roster for a couple games. And even at this point, you know, I, I would always be like pushing for like our linebackers that were in camp, you know, like let's get them on the practice squad because those guys make, I believe like $9,000 a week too, yeah. which is, you know, a whole lot more money than these guys are going to get doing other jobs. And, um, you Know, I, I just think it's uh, it's just a tough feeling for everybody. Like, I, I wouldn't even want to be there to be honest. Like, in as, as you know, 20 30 guys' dreams are getting ruined, like, it just the vibe in the building is like just not good and it's like depressing. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I a lot of these guys you know keep grinding and maybe there's injuries that come up around the league or they get tryouts and you know things work out. But I mean, there's been guys that have been cut, you know, even on this cut down weekend or whatever they're doing, cut down on Tuesday, and then they go on and they get on it with another team and, you know, they end up having great careers. So I, I think that, you know, just continuing to grind and being optimistic as a player is like important, you know, because you never really know what's going to happen.
1: Ryan, last one for me, your brother's still part of the Eagles coaching staff, TJ offensive quality uh, coordinator. Um, The Eagles uh, made decision parted with Doug Peterson. uh, Didn't retain your services, but kept your brother around. When you get him on the phone, when you get him uh, in person for a Sunday dinner or something like that, do you specifically talk only eagles or no eagles whatsoever or whatever blend in the middle? What's it like when you and your brother are getting together these days?
6: Uh, we talk a little bit about eagles, but you know, I'm not really going to get into too many details here at this time. But we talk about a lot of stuff, and you know, um, I'm really proud of him because like he's yeah, he's been there with a, a few different staffs, and you know, pretty much. Every coaching staff he's been with, you know, they, they've wanted to keep him around and thought, thought he's done a great job. And, um, you know, I, I really do hope for the Eagles sake and coach Siriani and for my brother. Like, I hope the team does a great job this year. And I know uh, I'm sure that you guys will be on Twitter or, or on this radio station giving taking shots at every decision that make because <laughs> that's just how it works. But, um, yeah. you know, I hope that those guys do a great job and, you know, we'll see what happens. Ryan, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. If you
1: land something, tell us. We'll get you on and give you your props for getting a new gig. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. That Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Paganetti, uh, former Eagles man- game management coach, assistant linebacker coach, good dude. Yeah, he was a guy that Doug Peterson leaned on to give him some advice during the uh, last several years, including that Super Bowl win back in 2017 as uh, J Mac. Took them for a walk down memory lane, a good walk at that. All right, McDonald and McMullen, your Mac guys here on Birds 365. Still got plenty to do. Talk about the Eagles cuts they made, the trade they made, the cuts they may make today before practice. We'll get all that in before Barrett Brooks joins us in hour number two. Keep it right here on Birds
0: 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now a catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence, turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, "We got
3: this."
5: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven,
7: four, three. One, two, three. Because
5: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: Thanks for getting with us, the Mackinac guys, on Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media. YouTube channel as we gear up toward the start of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles season. We thank Coach uh, Paganetti for hopping on board with us. Seems like a bright young guy and uh, hopefully gets himself a spot with a squad in the National Football League. It's got to be tough. Family dinner Sunday. Your your older brother is still a member of the Eagles coaching staff. Yeah, by the and- way,
2: before – can I just say this? Before we move on, Jody, because we got to talk about cuts and Gardner Minshew and all that stuff – when, when the Eagles put together their coaching staff, literally, the moment they put it together, I noticed no Ryan Paganetti. I was shocked. I, I thought he was going to be one of the guys that carried over. I got the numbers real quick. So when Doug Peterson's five years in Philadelphia, the Eagles went on fourth on, down 140 times by far first in the league. The Giants were second at 111. And then – Two-point conversions, Eagles led the league 41. Next closest was 27, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Minnesota. That's how different they were. And they were always considered sort of the leaders in the NFL when it came to analytics and really dating back to the days of Joe Banner. And Ryan was a big part of that. And I was taken aback. To the point where I contacted the Eagles and I said, "No, where's where's Ryan?" And I was like, "He's not not coming back." And at least on the surface, there's no Ryan Paganetti on this coaching staff. There's nobody in Nick Sirianni's ear now. There's going to be a bunch of people in this ear, but that was the biggest surprise when they put to me when they put together this coaching staff that Ryan wasn't back. It it shocked me. And
1: I I <laughs> like the answer that he gave about. How much of it was analytics and how much of it is Doug Peterson's personality that at the end of the the, the 30 seconds you have before you got to make the call, you got to factor in your own uh, confidence level, your own nerve, your own uh, aggressiveness. And I do believe that was part of it. I I absolutely believe that uh, Paganetti gave him the numbers to help make that decision. But that was on Doug. Doug was yeah, a very well, no aggressive doubt.
2: head I mean, coach. Yeah, you got it. I mean, it's your decision if you're the head coach. You're the one who's going to get killed. As Ryan, Poyd. we're going to kill Nick series. Let's be honest. If he makes a bad decision or what's perceived as a bad decision, he's right. I mean, that's just part of the job. So – I do think, though, if you look at you know how things are perceived around the NFL, and as I mentioned, the Eagles are always considered at the top of the chart when it comes to analytics. You know, Andrew Berry was brought in here. He goes to Cleveland, becomes one of the hot general managers. He's an analytics type guy. They're always thought of as being at the forefront of that part of it. Um, so I think ultimately Ryan will – will get another job at some point. I'm just surprised it's not here. I'm just surprised he's not on this staff. So that, you know, but that's just personal. I, I was stunned when they announced the coaching staff and he wasn't on it. I really was.
1: How many coaches in all did they retain? How many stayed? How many new entries <clears> did <throat> that analytics, pardon the pun?
2: Um, n- not many. Uh, there's. Uh, obviously, the three most notable, which would be Jeff Stoutman, uh, actual position coaches, offensive line coach, run game coordinator. I'm trying to think. Aaron Moorhead is the receivers coach, obviously. Uh, those are the only full-time position coaches. Then they brought, brought back uh, Ryan, uh, uh, excuse me, TJ, Ryan's brother, uh, who's a quality control coach. Uh, Jeremiah Washburn, they brought back, who sort of straddles. He's part personnel executive, part assistant defensive line coach. Um, Roy uh, Ispan is uh, Jeff Stoutland's assistant. They brought him back. And then, uh, oh, Joe, uh, uh, DX special I forget his last name, the assistant special teams coach is back. So, yeah. Um, not many. What's that? Five or six. Um, and one right. of them and was that, obviously. The, the reason
1: I Bo- asked and the point I was trying to make was they turned this coaching staff over. It isn't like they kept a high percentage by chose not to keep Ryan Paganetti. No, they let many more coaches go and only retained a handful at best. Uh, th- that makes the decision to not keep him. Not one that to me should be all that shocking because they really gave the new head coach Nick Sirianni the rule of the roots and let him put together the kind of staff. Yeah, the wanted. only
2: reason it shocked me is because Jeffrey Lurie and analytics, and it's a big pressing of him, and 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 that's why I thought I, you know, I thought he was safer than the Aaron Moorheads of the world, uh, uh, you know, because of his role more than anything else, and the fact that Jeffrey Lurie values it so much. So that was what it was about more than anything else. Uh, Jeff Stoutland, we all – you know, Jeff was going to go back to Alabama. They had to convince him uh, to come back. Uh, That's the one guy they really, really wanted to keep and they were able to keep. Uh, But you're right, every other position coach besides Aaron Moorhead. And by the way, I can tell you now Aaron thought he was gone too. So they might have been looking for another receivers coach, couldn't get him, and then they went back to Aaron Moorhead. I don't know how that shook out, uh, but, yeah, obviously most of the position coaches, they didn't even consider.
1: All right, John, I, <laughs> I want to ask you about this. As we get that much closer to cuts, uh, exchanging texts with you this weekend, you said they might make some cuts before practice on Monday. I said, well, and I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. 10.02 a.m. is when they're going to make the cuts. Just after Burge 365 ends, there'll be Probably. a media blast. Well, and, by the uh, way,
2: Jody, the Gardner-Menshu trade came out about 10 a.m. Sat. What was that? Saturday. And yesterday, Sunday, they cut the five players at about a little bit after 10 a.m. Yeah, they do
1: everything right after 10 o'clock. Even on days we're not on, they do it right after we would be leaving the air <laughs> through the Philadelphia Eagles. So we expect them to make some more cuts just after 10 a.m. here today. Um. Do want I ask you this, and it may involve the players that I'm just about to ask you about, uh, as in they might not be Eagles before the afternoon is over. Jonathan Gannon's philosophy is what again?
2: Uh <laughs> good question. Uh I think it's a confluence of a Mike Zimmer-like defense and uh a Matt Eberflus. He added some Matt Eberflus from Indianapolis, but you're gonna have multiple fronts. So you're gonna have uh, more A-gap looks from the linebackers, more overload blitzes. And then in the secondary, you're probably going to have a little bit more uh, zone coverage than we've had in the past. So sort of a uh, a little bit uh, – no, not as much wide nine, which will excite uh, Eagles fans because they've hated the wide nine, even though most don't even know what it is. But um, uh, So that should excite people.
1: What I was referring to was more – Hits. The hits oh, philosophy. Oh, the
2: hits principle. The hits, yeah.
1: Yeah. which well, is yeah. predicated on a big part of it is takeaways. That he wants to be a guy who's going to turn the ball over yeah. and give it back to his offense.
2: By the way, Jody, real quick. I know you got to finish this. I'm sorry I keep interrupting. That's all right. Is there a defensive coordinator in history of the world that I wasn't going to take the football away? Who cares? No. But go ahead.
1: But but the coach did emphasize it a little bit. In the very few media sessions that he has had, he has talked about, I think every time, about turnovers and how important turnovers are. And we're going to be a team that's going to get turnovers. I try and coach and teach turnovers, and we want them to always be thinking turnovers. Which sounds good. Everybody loves turnovers. Fans love turnovers. So they're going to buy into it, even though you may roll your eyes and go, yeah, everybody wants turnovers.
2: Well, yeah, everybody I get it.
1: Wants it. Um how many turnovers do Eagles having in their four preseason games?
2: Right, well, there's three. You know better than me. I try to forget those preseason games immediately after they're over, man. I try to forget them. I don't want to think about them. It's a nightmare. Obviously, Mike Chiquette with the big strip pummel where he should have downed the football instead of going in first. That was a big one. Uh, but, yeah, I don't – you know, we've already heard Dick Sirianni, Hank, joint practices are more important than preseason games.
1: All right, and sorry I didn't get a chance to because they weren't on TV, so I had to take your word and somebody else's word for it. Uh, I didn't track all the plays in the preseason practices, the joint practices and the like, but I did for the preseason games. The guys who were uh, accredited with turnovers in the preseason were Michael Jacquez, as you just uh, mentioned, and, oh, by the way, he took it to the house, even though he shouldn't have taken it to the house, but he did take it to the house. It was a great highlight play. Uh, Elijah Riley had a pick. Now, yeah, I remember the pick. Yeah, now I it's all coming that.
2: back to me. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's come back to you. And how about Kevon Seymour? Oh, yeah. With on. both a yeah. pick and a fumble recovery. Yeah. So he got two of the four turnovers this preseason of Kevon Seymour, Michael Jaquette, and uh, our buddy, uh, whom Elijah I? Elijah Riley. Elijah Riley. How many of them making the team?
2: I think one has got an outside chance. Uh, actually, two. I would say Elijah Riley and Mike Chikat have a chance. But if it's over for 3, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Kavon, no shot. And he's the, he's the one with two.
1: Von, he's got half of the team's turnovers. Yeah. And you're telling me he's got no chance to make the team? Yeah. How is that, McMullen? Hits, 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 hits. It's all about hits. Turnovers. Well, He's a turnover machine. How is he not making his team?
2: Third team against third team is not as important yeah, as first team against first team. You got, a, team. You got and, a point uh, there. You might right. have something
1: there. But I just thought it was uh, funny that uh, the coach made such an emphasis on uh, turnovers. And the guys who actually did get the other team to turn the ball over will not be Philadelphia Eagles by this time. Uh Well, on Wednesday, because uh, we got a couple hours. Two things
2: I want to hear about with defensive coordinators. I want to find the first defensive coordinator <clears> that doesn't want to take the ball away and doesn't want to be aggressive. People get so hyped up when they... And by the way, I love Jonathan Gannon. I think he's going to be a head coach in this league. Um, He's a really smart guy, um, really engaging guy, really fun guy to be around, really energetic guy. But I mean... People get hyped up about talking about turnovers, aggressiveness. I mean, literally, give me one defensive coordinator that has ever said, Oh, no, we want to be very laid back. We want to, we would we, we just, we don't want to turn the football over. Why, why would we want that? Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff I don't, I don't get, I don't take too seriously.
1: Fair enough. All right. A uh, couple other points I want to get in from the game on uh, Friday night, which we all know, ended in a 31-31 tie. Jordan Howard didn't play. What did you read into that? Is it the fact that he's a lock to make the
2: team or he's got no shot to make the team? I think he's a lock. I think he's a lock to make the team. Now, a lot of people don't disagree with me for this reason. We brought this up with Bo Wolf in the past. You know, you have this sort of, when you're talking about a vested veteran like Jordan Howard, if they're on, if they're on the roster for Week One, their entire salary is guaranteed. Um, whereas, if you cut them, you can keep a younger player. We've talked about all the injuries. Can the Eagles afford not to carry Tyree Jackson? Can they afford not to carry Landen Dickerson on the on the initial fifty-three? If 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 you say no, you got to carry those guys. You got to create spots. One of the natural ways to create spots is to cut the Jordan Howards of the world, the Richard Rodgers of the world, and bring them back in week two when their salary isn't guaranteed. So the Eagles could do that. But from my perspective, they've been saying they love the guy from day one, Nick Sirianni, the new coaching staff. Um, they're treating him like they're other veteran players who they value, putting them in bubble wrap. And three, he doesn't make a lot of money. So it's not like you're going to be concerned about paying Jordan Howard for the whole year. And it's not like they're cutting him in week two. So why bother? I think they're going to carry him on the roster. And they think he's an important part of this team. um, And they're going to use this committee. And the committee is going to be um, Miles Sanders, obviously, most notably, and Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Kenny Gainwell. Those are going to be the four running backs.
1: Here's the reason why I think he is going to be on the team, and I don't even think you just uh, lean to the fact that they're going to try and play the roster game of cutting him and then bringing him back so it's had have, have the flexibility of not have his salary guaranteed. Do you think Jason Huntley is going to get claimed? That they uh, no,
2: that's another reason. No. Nor do
1: I, and that's no. I'm. I've seen a couple of guys, a couple of your, uh, fellow Eagle beat writers saying that they're going to potentially keep Huntley because they fear if they expose him, he's going to get grabbed by another team. They did give up a pick to get him, so they've got some uh, value entrenched in him. Was Jason Huntley that good? And I know the the joint practices are very important, at least in the Eagles' eyes. And he made some plays in the joint practices. His resume is what it is prior to this year. I didn't do anything in preseason that wowed me. So if teams making a call on Jason Hundley, are they really going to claim him at this point, I think through waivers and back on the practice squad.
2: I agree with you, but number one, the people are thinking the Eagles didn't trade for him. They actually claimed him on waivers. So people think that, well, the Eagles claimed him, so maybe he'll get claimed again. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get claimed again. Um, So I think that's where people kind of lean towards. Well, he got claimed once. Why won't he get claimed again? Um, He was impressive early in camp, and he's He's really fast. He's probably, you know, if he's not the fastest guy on this team, he's probably right behind uh, Quez Watkins. Um, So, you know, when he gets out in the open field, he's pretty impressive. He's, you know, he could be a a good kick returner, but, you know, does that really matter that much in the modern NFL where you might return 10, 15 kicks all year? Uh, I don't know if that matters. So I get the philosophy, but I'm with you. Uh, He's not nearly as good as um, Jordan Howard from the coaching staff's perspective, from the way they've been talking. And I think you can get him on waivers. So to me, it's pretty – get him through waivers. So to me, it's pretty simple. You keep Jordan Howard. He doesn't get paid a lot of money. You get Huntley through waivers. He's hurt anyway. And you put him on the practice squad. To me, it's pretty – simple but you know and i'm i i'm guilty of this as much as any other beat guy we overthink these things because we think there's this old you know medical saying saying oxham's razor where the simplest answer is usually the correct one
1: correct i believe in that
2: yes uh you should everybody should but we all talk ourselves in the conspiracy theories and you got to do this you got to hide this guy no simplest answer keep howard Huntley on the practice floor. All
1: right. My next question is to uh, John McMullen, but it may just as well be to Howie Roseman. Um, I know you've expounded the theory, and you're just speaking through uh, Howie Roseman colored glasses, John, that the Eagles may still get that Sam Bradford effect and be <laughs> able to trade uh, Zach Ertz prior to the start of the season. Well, we're well it happened to-
2: in Minnesota of all places. All of a sudden, yesterday, comes down Irv Smith, who's a really good young tight end, has a meniscus injury out of nowhere, and he's going to have surgery, and he's going to be out. Now, a couple things. Number one, there's two types of meniscus repairs. The the easy one is two- to four-week injury. So if that's what it is, no, the Vikings aren't in that situation. The, the bad one is six to eight months, and he's down for the season. And that's a team that plays more 12 personnel than anybody else, even the Eagles, uh, because uh, they have Dalvin Cook, and, and they had two good tight ends. Um, and they've already proven they make bad decisions. They think they're a contender. They're not a contender, but they think they're a contender. So it's the same same team. With Now, we're not talking about a first-round pick because we're not talking about quarterback. But a Burb Smith is out for the season, and they're a, they're a team that is very dishonest about injuries, they don't talk about injuries, they're not honest about injuries. Um, so it depends. If he's going to be out for the season, I could see Rick Spielman calling up Howie Roseman and say, I'll give you a third-round pick. He did it last year with – Daniel Hunter was hurt out for the season. They didn't tell anybody, had a herniated disc. All of a sudden, they needed a pass rusher. They gave a second-round pick to Jacksonville for Yannick and Dockway. Disaster of a pick. Disaster of a trade. Uh, they, They traded him to, I forget, Baltimore. At at the trade deadline for a third round pick. So, right. they, so they, they, they they took a round yeah. a round like,
1: loss for three games or whatever yeah. and got nothing out of Ngakwe.
2: Exactly. So they make bad decisions. They made the bad decision with Bradford. It's the perfect situation. Team that thinks they're a contender, but they're not. Team that makes bad decisions, teams that overreacts to injuries, but again, it depends on how serious. The Irv Smith injury really is, and I have no way of knowing that.
1: Right, and we probably won't know for another couple of days. And like you said, the Vikings are pretty good at keeping that stuff under wraps, that they don't let bad information get out if they can keep it under wraps. Shoot, Fool me one, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. You gave two good examples going back to Sam Bradford. Fool me three times, shame on me. I think Rick Spielman learns from this. You mentioned Minnesota uses a lot of 12 because of Dalvin Cook, which means the tight end to get your hands on, you want them to be at least capable, if not above average, blockers. That has never been the strong suit of Zach Ertz.
2: No, uh, Zach but, Ertz but, but, but it's not. If you look at their situation, Tyler Conklin would be the blocker. Irv Smith was the receiver. So you're looking to replace the receiver. Um, mm, Bad decision maker. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there, Jody. You tell me you think Zach Ertz
1: is going to go for a three in the next
2: 12 no, days. No, before... I'm with you. I think he's learned from it. I think more than the Bradford thing. They think the Bradford thing worked out. I I'm still close uh, with those people. They think that worked out. Uh, interestingly enough,
1: how how um, can they make that argument? Well, what did they
2: win with Sam Bradford? They didn't, but he had a good year. He had a good statistical year, and then he was oh, done. To the I
1: know yeah. we had Ryan Paganetti on earlier. Hey, I'm who not, was an I, analytical I agree guy. With you, I'm just telling we you have what to they go think. back over? Nick Mullen statistics Do we yeah. have to go back over gardening. Yeah, a hundred percent.
2: I'm saying what they think. Now, the second part is they know they got police within Dockway. So I think that one, more than the Bradford one, you know, probably prevents them from doing it again because you look like you're overreacting. And by the way, Zach Ertz would be better for them than Yannick and Dockway, but that's another conversation as well. I don't think he can afford to do it.
1: By the way, um, and I should know this, and I'm admitting that I don't. Where is Ngakwe? Is he still with Baltimore? Did he have Raiders? A year
2: to go? No, he he stinks. He's been on four in race. in less which, than a calendar year.
1: Which, oh, by the way, you know full well, Eagles Nation, and I don't mean all of you, but I mean a good number of you wanted desperately to get him here oh yeah that was the key acquisition oh, he's got a big man, in the off-season we need to get yannick Ngakwe. let's give up a first round pick to get yannick and the man. guy was again uh by stats maybe a player by actually watching him on the field no he's nothing special he's yeah. not even a starting guy he's a rotational type guy way overrated yannick and
2: he's a good pass rush who can't do anything else he's a one-trick pony You can run at them all day long. Yeah. I mean, you know how that works, though. And that's just not the Eagles fan base. That's a, if it's a name they know, they want them. That's just the way it is. And it's not, you know, and the grass isn't always greener. Players find that out, fans find that out. Um, It's, you you know, we're already talking about with Gardner Minshew. You just brought up statistics 93 passer rating. Thirty-seven touchdowns, eleven interceptions. We got a good quarterback. Eh, settle down. He's only a starting quarterback because it's the worst team in football. Uh, number one, and and they didn't want him to be the starter. By the way, Nick Foles just fell on his face when he was a rookie. And last year, what were, they won one game last year? Who cares? Uh, who who the starting quarterback was for the majority of the season? Um. But people look at statistics and say, oh, 93 passer rating. He must be pretty good.
1: When when you're always down by 14 points, 21 points, and the other team is playing prevent zone defense against you, guess what? You can put up some numbers. You can add up some yards. You're going to have a pretty good passer rating if you're always playing two to three touchdowns from behind. And that's exactly what Nick Mullins was in San Francisco, and it's exactly what uh, Gardner Minshew was down in Jacksonville both the last two years. But uh, uh, I digress. Um, Jalen Hurts didn't play Friday. We all knew it ahead of time, but you still had hope. And then the torrential downpour came. He said, there's no way this guy sees the field. They're not putting him out there. He didn't. So how many snaps did he play this preseason Johnny Mac 10
2: 10, Ten. Uh, now there's a lot of quarterbacks that didn't play there's a lot of quarterbacks who did play by the way I thought there was an interesting just juxtaposition right as the Eagles kicked off at eight o'clock remember it got it got uh, pushed back a half hour right. <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs were kicking off on the NFL network. And guess it was under center, Jody. Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, I think he played two drives, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Yes. Uh, pretty sharp. Pretty <laughs> sharp. Perfect, um,
1: perfect passer rating of one fifty six point eight. So yeah, yeah that kind of <laughs> that that kind of sets the bar for Patrick Mahomes.
2: Yeah, that's uh, if he's not the best quarterback in football, he's number two to Aaron Rodgers, who didn't play. So there's an example. Of uh, uh, a quarterback who didn't play. But, you know, uh, do you want to compare Jalen Hurts Aaron Rodgers and say, well, we got to protect this guy at all costs? Or do you want to say, I got a young player. Let's get him some valuable live reps. That's the key. Live reps. I would have erred on, let's get the young players some live reps when we can get them some live reps. They went in a different direction. Ultimately, the only thing they care about, they got through the preseason relatively healthy, no serious injuries. So they see it as a success. I don't know. I, I can see both sides, but. I believe in preparation right. more than and the, they believe in preparation.
1: And the proof will be in the pudding. How's he play week yeah. one? How's he played week two? We're going to be able to answer this question. No one's got the answer now. Not those of us who would have liked to see a little bit more. Not the Eagles who decided that less was more and only put them out there for 10 snaps. And yeah, I'm not going to say first quarter, first game. You got to go a little bit more than that. But the first three games of the year, I think we can draw a conclusion. Was Jalen Hurts given enough time to prep for this upcoming season? But he is going to be the Eagles starter. Sorry, Gardner Minshew fans. It's not happening. Gardner's not coming in and starting. The only way Jalen Hurts is not starting for, at the worst case scenario, the first half of the season, is if he gets hurt. Then they have to figure it out as they go. And I firmly believe Joe Flacco will be the first guy off the bench before Gardner, the savior, ever gets in there. So, uh, we know he's going to be the Eagles quarterback for a half a year. He's probably going to be the Eagles quarterback for an entire year. After that, your guess is as good as mine. But at least with all the reporting this weekend, despite the fact that the pot started stirring again, <laughs> no one is tying the Eagles to Deshaun Watson. And well, to be everybody honest,
2: everybody tied them to him.
1: Tied, as in past tense.
2: No yeah. one is tying them to well, him. Well, the Eagles had. The Eagles had significant interest, have significant interest in Deshaun Watson. Until it's over, it's not over. Remember, the teams we're talking about, it's interesting. You see the Miami Dolphins, who that's where he wants to go. Let's be above board for a lot of reasons. We always talk about Florida teams. More than that, the tax situation, which means a lot for somebody who makes that much money. I don't think people realize how how big a difference that is from a financial perspective. Um, And also, I think he thinks, for whatever reason, the the Eagles aren't ready to win right now uh, if he were to come here. A lot of unproven playmakers, a lot of potential, but unproven. So those are sort of the reasons why Deshaun Watson – doesn't want to play here, has a no trade clause, can just put his foot down and say no, I'm not going there. Um, however, because of his off the field situation, you know there are potential places where he would go, notably Miami, uh, Denver, Carolina, that, that may not want him just for that, just for the morality part of it saying I can't have this guy. I can't have this guy by building PR perspective, Blah, 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 blah. And then it becomes, all right, you want to stay in Houston or you want to go to Philadelphia, then he might change his mind. So until that door is completely shut, it's not completely shut. But he doesn't want to play here. Um, And unless something drastic happens, you can tell by the way, Brian Flores was talking yesterday. Miami can say whatever they want. And they've gone to their beep guys and say, no, two is our guy. They want Deshaun Watson. And ultimately, I think that's where he's going to end up. Um, But we'll see how it shakes out. And if it comes immediately, uh, because obviously with all the uncertainty on the legal front, you're taking a big risk if you're the Miami Dolphins. But, yeah, it's looking less and less likely that the Eagles are going to be able to swing something for Deshaun Watson.
1: All right, you know my favorite <laughs> hypothetical questions, and that's what this one will be. And I completely admit ahead of time it's a hypothetical. Don't think it's uh, got any chance of happening, but I'm going to ask you just the same. We believe that Howie Roseman has at least – we know he's had conversations, and he's made an offer. Got to believe he's made an offer, which has been unacceptable to the Texans. That's why it hasn't been closed. That's why the Eagles, as of now – Although they haven't said, don't call out. Now, Deshaun doesn't you. want to
2: play here. can't even get to that. Deshaun has a no trade clause. They could have made right. it. But you
6: just,
1: as you just said, let's jettison ahead. The Texans go to him and say, listen, we got to deal in place with Philadelphia. Here's your choice stay here or go to Philly. You think he says no?
2: He could say no at this point because he knows there's other options. He knows Miami's interested. His agents are obviously giving him the information. He knows Carolina's interested. You know, I don't know how Every,
1: But everybody's got their leverage, John. Watson's got his no trade clause. The Texans have theirs. They have to okay the deal. Deshaun yeah. could say he wants to go somewhere. H- here's the two choices, Deshaun. Miami's not a choice. Miami's not offering what we want in return. The Eagles have put what we want in return that uh, they've got the best deal on. If we're going to trade you, we're going to trade you to the best off we get. And that's going to be the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. So your choice is Eagles or stay here. He can't dictate terms. Yeah, he but, can't say, no, I must go but, to the Miami but, Dolphins. The Texans have the right to keep them or to trade them.
2: But yes, they have the right, but they don't want to keep them. They want to trade him. He's well aware of that. They've gone down the road. They've essentially admitted he's moving on behind the scenes. Uh, they don't want them. They don't want the toxic. They, they want them out of the building. So once you've come to that conclusion, you lose that leverage you're speaking of. If you don't have all the other stuff, the Jack Easterby stuff, the, the legal stuff, you're right. The, the Texans would have some leverage, but they don't really have that leverage anymore because they want them out more than Sean wants out. But they so can,
1: at, at minimum, they can feign the leverage. Uh, so here's my question to you. If the Eagles had the best offer on the table and they got the Texans to say, okay, we got to get Deshaun to okay it, then they go to Deshaun and Deshaun says, yeah, I can't stay here. You t- the only place you can trade me is Philadelphia. If the choice is either stay here, or go to Philly. All right, fine, I'd find i go to Philly.
2: What did the Eagles do? Well,
1: if it happens in the, the next trade.
2: 48 hours, oh, the Eagles make the trade. The Eagles make the trade. The Eagles make the trade, period. The Eagles get Deshaun Watson. The Eagles would love to have Deshaun Watson. But then is, is he the starting quarterback week one? Um, week one, maybe not. Uh, first of all, you have to deal with the NFL. Uh, I think, you know, it, and I joked about this, and I wrote about it on Billy Boys. you have all these conspiracies with Gardner Minshew. One of the conspiracies... The common conspiracy is, well, you just spin off Joe Flacco to a quarterback, backup quarterback desperate team. You know, Indianapolis needs a backup.
1: Again, By the way, Indianapolis doesn't need a backup. Uh, Easton is better than Flacco right now.
2: Well, yeah, and you can talk yourself into it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, It depends on the other part of it. And I'm saying I'm calling it a conspiracy. Now, the bigger conspiracy is Minshew. Well, the Eagles got Mm -hmm. Minshew. You probably heard this. The Eagles got Minshew to spin off Jalen Hurts to Houston to get Deshaun Watson, and then they have a starting quarterback if he gets suspended for six games, 10 games, 12 games. Minshew could be the short term, and then you go long term with Deshaun Watson. That's sort of, as I call it, the QB Anon conspiracy. Uh, The really out there people who think that's what's going on. It's not what's going on. But just from a perspective, if they could get him, the Eagles would get to Sean Watson, period, period, end of sense. I've been saying it for months. He doesn't want to be here. Uh, uh, You can get on the morality hill and say the Eagles shouldn't want him. I get those people. I get it. But they want him from a football perspective. They want him
1: and they would be ready to plug him in ASAP. Well, the NFL week one, patient.
2: I mean, it's difficult for anybody to come in, in in two weeks and start. But if he's not suspended, if he's not on the commissioner's exemplars, oh, it would be real stinking early. I'll tell you that. Hey,
1: John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birch 365. Coming up next, we're going to talk to one of the team members, one of the homeboys. From the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, and you see him on NBC Sports Philly all the time, Axie Barrett Brooks joins us next here on Birds 365.
0: As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say we got this.
3: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m.
4: Go now to Steersnacks.com.
0: I get scared sometimes.
4: Of a lot of things.
5: Joining in.
0: Decisions.
5: The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say.
0: But as I always say.
3: It's okay to be afraid.
0: As long as you face the
3: fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross.
5: On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
7: 7, 0, 3. 1, 2,
5: 3. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: The lid lifter on a new week here on Birds 365 with your Mac, and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Lucky enough to have our buddy Barrett Books join us for a good couple of minutes here today. Barrett, here's the first question I want to ask you. After watching the Eagles preseason this year, did you have to say to yourself, damn, I came along 15 years too early with the <laughs> amount of work that these guys are asked to do. I actually had to work for a living when I came into the National Football League. These
7: guys kind of coast for a living in the NFL now. I don't think they had 25 practices in all actuality. Um, I I think it's like like 24, 23 practices. Only like what? Maybe eight of them were full pads. Uh, You know, it was like a breakfast club, man. I mean, I could play forever. I'd still be playing right now if I had those type of camps. Because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys, I don't know how they get themselves in shape. They do. But, I mean, I don't know how they harden their bodies. Uh, and it, for for a 16-game season. Now they're going 17 games. So, you know, it's just different to me watching these guys. I mean, even little things like look on the sideline and, you know, the, even the rookies that didn't dress for the game did not have pads on. You know, I, I can remember when I was my first year, I had to wear pads. I started every single snap of the game in a preseason because they were getting me ready for a season. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get me ready for a a, a hard season. These guys didn't even have pads on. You know, I was blown away by this. You know, so <laughs> it's just different, man. It's just way different, man. Way different.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I said the same thing, Barrett, when I was there. I'm looking at Devontae Smith. Look, Devontae Smith is a tremendously talented kid. And I'm like, He's he's in street clothes with the with, with, with <laughs> Eagles gear on, just like Bletcher Cox. I'm like, what the what, what the heck is going on? What here?
7: is this? You know? I mean, this is crazy, man. But it's just the, the nature of, of how things are these days, man. I, I d do, I don't understand it, you know. But evidently they feel as though they're they're good enough to go in and, and play an entire season, you know, going even going into this game that guess they're ready to go into this next game, which really counts, you know, but I'll tell you one thing right now. There's a lot of guys sleepless right now who didn't sleep a wink last night <laughs> <No>. <laughs> going into tomorrow.
2: By, by the way, weeks. I want to ask you about that from a player's perspective. So I get this Eagles schedule and I'm like, "They're I'm I'm shocked by this. They're practicing today at, at, at 1.30. <laughs> the cut, that, cut down is Tuesday at 4. They're right. not going to let these guys practice, are they? Are they yes. gonna are they gonna kill these guys for what? Not kill them obviously because they're only going to be out there for 80 90 minutes, but are they really going to make these guys who they're going to cut, go through one last practice? Would well, they, they do
7: that? They don't have enough film on them. They have enough to evaluate them really. I mean the younger guys really didn't take that many reps, you know, honestly going into this uh preseason. You know, so at this point, they, they still need to evaluate, all right, we're going to keep this guy. We're not going to keep this guy. We haven't seen Boy, enough they far. don't Let's have those answers,
2: situation. if they don't have those answers and they need a Monday afternoon right. practice to figure out who's going to be on this football team, I'm concerned. I'm, well, very I'm concerned
7: good. anyway because J-Jaw, you're going to give J-Jaw a, a chance to be on this team with three plays? He made three plays the entire preseason. Is that mm. enough? To show you that he belongs on this team. You know, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not hating against him, but, you know, I didn't see enough from J.J. I got a better question for J.J. Hightower, anyone
1: else you want to put into that mix. Someone who's literally on the bubble of making the team or not making the team. Practice today. Ooh, there goes the hammy. Right. The hammy. <laughs> oh, I think I pulled the, whoa well, 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 limping off the field. Now we're talking about IR, because if you want to release him, you got to release him with an injury settlement, which might not be conducive to the Eagles. John's exactly right. They make them practice today. I guarantee you we see some injuries for guys who don't know if or when they're going to make this team or not.
7: Well, if they were smart.
1: (laughs) If they were
2: smart, they would definitely do that. You you can get four weeks' pay. No question, man. Yeah, you can get four weeks' pay. I'm I'm shocked by it, but I I do want to go down – from your your obviously mentality from a player's perspective, how difficult is this this, you know, post final preseason game to the cut down? I mean, you guys have been here since the spring. As you mentioned, it's a little bit different, but you develop relationships real quickly. This is the worst part of this industry, is it not?
7: It is. It is. It's the worst day. Uh this tomorrow tonight will be the worst night for a lot of guys. Cause I mean, this could eventually be the last time they play football. The last time they had pads on uh, was this last game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible fact that you had to go through through the NFL. You know, that's why they call the NFL not for long. You just, you get, it's a small sampling size of people that ever played this game. And, you know, it gets even smaller after the, after tomorrow night, um, at four o'clock. So I mean, I, I feel for those guys. I understand what they're going through. In fact, let me give you a little quick story. I was, um, I, I was rooming uh, with Jerry Craft. We call him Big Creamy. Yeah. And you know, it was, it was the, it's, it's the cut down uh, night, and they're cutting people, going into the morning. And um, <laughs> he had a Desert Eagle in his backpack, and you know, somebody knocked on the door. And he thought it was. The, we call him a knock man. The knock man is the guy that you know that comes and 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 you know say, "Hey, uh, coach wants you to bring your your playbook and he wants to talk to you." So somebody knocked at the door, playing around. You know what I mean? I think it was Willie T, just playing around. You know, like he, like he's he's the guy coming to cut you, and we're already mm-hmm. scared to death that we're about to get cut. He reaches down to his bag. I had to jump out the bed and grab his arm. Hey, man, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> Put that down, man. Oh, man, I can't be cutting. I had a great kid. How are they going to come cut me? I know they're not cutting you. You're starting. They might be here to cut me. I was like, no, dude, chill out, man. Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> he put it back in his bag. He didn't even cut. So, you know, we opened the door. It's Willie T. You know, the, you know, he's the laughing and everything. That's, bro, if you only knew, if you only knew what was about to happen, man. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, Barrett,
1: I'm going to take you into your wheelhouse. How many tackles are the Eagles keeping on their 53? And if you say the number is five, is Andre Dillard one of those five? If you're just deciding on who accomplished what in preseason, not where they were picked, not what assets have been used to acquire, them, just evaluating what they've done. And if you want to put Dillard's previous uh, either – what he accomplished or lack of accomplishment prior to that. You can put that in the mix, but between he and Toth and Raven, is Dillard. Does Dillard deserve to make this football team?
7: Absolutely not. I, I don't think he did. enough. in fact, he did impress me in this last game. He did he impress did play me.
2: Well. He, played he did, well, he
7: played very well. He showed, um, he showed a little strength. He, he dropped his hips. Great technique. Um, he was moving around well man so he showed that you know he can play but it's I me mean, just you know just cuz you're are your 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 career is on the line right now that's why you went out and play like why couldn't you play like that from the beginning of the training camp you know what i mean he just play, I mean he played phenomenally you know and i don't care who he's going against you know those guys are still nfl players but he played well but that's what if i was going to keep um if i was going to keep tackles on i was going with fork tackles I would go. With Jake Driscoll would be one of them. Um,
2: I, I gotta don't keep Got to keep Brett Toth. Got to keep. Him. I can't he's, cut that guy.
7: Well, I can't cut that guy. No, Brett Toth and 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 Jack Driscoll, they belong on this team. Number one, because you think of the way in which they think of these guys, they can play guard and tackle. They can play both sides. At this point, Andre Dillard only plays left tackle. That's the extent of what he plays on this team. That's the value he has is left tackle. They tried to move over to right. He didn't want to do it. So he didn't do it. You know what I mean? He just, he played bad enough that he was like, all right, we're not going to put him back over there. But at this point, that's all he plays. He, he I didn't see him take any reps this preseason on the right side. They were all yeah. left sided reps. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to be here just from, just from, where he was drafted, you know. I know you want to want to talk about it. He, he's going to be there because he's drafted, and he will be the fifth guy. But they they'll they'll look at Jake Driscoll and Brett as guys that really belong on this team. But they'll keep them as, as like guards, and you know, and 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 Coyote. I think he really needs to stay on the um, team also um, as as a guard. He's not going to be able to make it through waivers. I can guarantee that.
2: Yeah, it's an offensive line deficient league. But I do, you brought up two guys, and obviously Andre Dillard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So you were a second-round pick. I want to get the player's perspective. Look, if you're a premium pick in this league, it's no surprise. You get more opportunities than an undrafted guy. How does that go across in the locker room? When when you see somebody like Andre Dillard, as you said, from a meritocracy standpoint, and you brought up J.Jaw, maybe they don't deserve to make this team, but they're probably going to make this team. How does that go over in the locker room?
7: It it, it doesn't go over well. You know, guys will, will be making fun of them. Only reason you're here because, you know, you got drafted so high. They made a mistake. They drafted you just too high. You know what I'm saying? Here I am busting my, my butt off, and, and I'm not going to make a team because this guy. I mean, I've seen it in a locker room happen where a guy gets cut, and the player's about to leave, and, you know, he's walking through the locker room, and he's bringing his playbook. And so you're going to keep me over this guy right here? I mean, he's pointing at the guy that, you know, made the team, and he's not. You're going to keep him over this guy? Over him? Over him? He couldn't fight his way out of a, a wet paper bag. You're keeping him over him? Look at him. Look at him. He's the worst player I've ever seen as he's going out. <laughs> talking about this other kid you know and it, it didn't bowl too well that you know the, the player came back the next week um uh on practice squad but you know after he had said that the, you know guys looking like yo w- w- what's that all about you know what i'm saying you know don't hate on me because you're getting cut but you know you, you see those type of situations and then the respect factor is not there also you know what i'm saying i mean you just you I mean Because you're giving, it's being handed to you. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to work for it. You know, you don't have the same respect as a player that went out there and busted their rump to make the team and doesn't make the team. So, I mean, it's it's a a terrible situation, a terrible feeling. You know, and imagine being the guy that's doing this cutting. You know what I mean? Imagine that. Yeah. All
1: right. So let me ask you this one. And I love that story you just told about the perspective of a player as cuts are being made and your position and how you're going to handle your business and the like. It's so much easier now as a member of the media, Barrett, because it's not your livelihood. You just get to sit back and analyze and go, I'll take this guy over that guy, so I'm going to make you do it right now. Ty McGill or Hassan Ridgway? One of them's going to make the team. To me, the other one's not. One's going to be here. The other one's going to be cut, and it could come down in the next couple hours, as a matter of fact. You're an ex-offensive lineman. I need you to grade those two interior defensive tackles who's here, who's gone, or do you disagree with me that they both make the
7: team? T.Y. McGill, he he deserves to be on this team. He showed <coughs> explosive quickness. You know, you had that veteran player, Hassan Ridgway, but, you know, you have a lot of veteran players there. You got Javon Hargraves, you got Fletcher Cox. These guys are your veterans, you know. T.Y. McGill, he, he's played, you know, long enough, you know, in the league, what's his sixth or seventh year, that he belongs to be on this team. He showed explosiveness, quickness, the ability to give a great pass rush, you know, so I, I would keep him. Um, he has the, he has the leg up in pass rushing. This is a pass rushing league. Hassan Redway has the leg up in um, a run stopper, you know, but this is a passing league. So you're not going to really use him in that run block. I mean, run, um, uh, run block shedding uh, capacity. T.Y. He can get up the field, create havoc, and create penetration. Create, penetration kills all run plays, and you need penetration in the passing game to stop and collapse that pocket. So I think uh, T.Y. McGill he he made he made the difference um, in camp. He showed it in camp. He showed it in game type situations. And he's he's ready to stay. He's he's ready to take that next step.
2: Well, you mentioned decision-making, Barrett. So let's talk about the guy making the decisions. It's it's not the head coach. It's not Nick Sirianni. He'll obviously be involved, but it's the GM. It's Howie Roseman. So when you're talking about T.Y. McGill, he had a great preseason, as you mentioned, uh, played well in practice, as we were able to see as well. Uh, But you start talking about the younger guys and you start talking about uh, how many of these late round picks can he keep? The Patrick Johnsons of the world, the Jacoby Stevens of the world. Do you find spots, Teron Jackson on the defensive line? Maybe you keep an extra defensive end instead of a defensive tackle. How much do you lean towards 2022, 2023 versus I just got to keep the best guy right now?
7: Well, this team, you know, regardless of what I'm saying as far as being a rebuilding year, they, they have to show something. You know, this is fan base that, you know, they, they care about football a lot more than most fan bases. So I'll say this. They want production right now. You know what I mean? And, you know, Teron Jackson showed me a lot this last game. You know, he was formidable in the run and in the past. But is he better than, you know, the other guys that are like a Josh Sweat? No, it's not even a comparison to Josh Sweat. Or, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, Patrick Johns, he has a lot of learning to do. And, you know, we probably have to keep an extra safety because of um, the fact that Rodney McLeod will probably be on the PUP list. Or if they do carry him on the roster, he won't be on the PUPs. I'm sorry. He won't be on the PUP list. He'll uh, physically unable to perform list. He will be on the active roster. So when he does come in, he'll be able to go in and play. So you have to keep an extra safety. Because he's, you know, he's he's going to be on the roster, so that takes away from a spot from the defensive line or the linebacker positions. So this is going to be really, really hard for 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 um, this GM to make those type of decisions because a guy like Jacoby Stevens, who they see going into the future, he probably won't be on the roster. He probably will be uh, try to, you know, get him over to the practice squad. Uh, He's a tweener type of player, so I think he'll make it to the practice squad. But a guy like Patrick Johnson, he might not make it to that practice squad. Somebody might pick him up uh, because he showed some ability to rush the passer. And there's, you know, there lies the problem. You know, he might not make it to the roster.
1: Barrett, your take on Nick Sirianni as a play caller.
7: I'm still um, underwhelmed at this point. I didn't see any of the things that I thought I was going to see from a guy um, that has a quarterback that's mobile. You know, I didn't see any boot protections, no waggle protections. You know, where they pull up a backside guard and he's like a, you know, a guy's going to block right in front of him. You know, so he can get hit. Um, I didn't see any. I didn't see a lot of play action. I didn't see a lot of running the ball. You know, <clears throat> so I, until I see his his offense, I can't say that he's a good play caller. I can't say that he's he's gonna run an offense that's you know because this is this this wasn't even a vanilla offense. This was this was a lot less than even vanilla. You know, I mean you know because this is it's almost joint
2: practices, Barrett. It's right. about the joint practices. They do more in the joint practices than they do in the preseason games. Now Nick has been honest about that. He said Look, I think I have an advantage early in the season. I can say they do more of that in practice. Yeah, they do than the preseason games. So I think you're gonna see a lot of RPOs in Atlanta. I'll say that. I a can't lot wait. Of RPOs.
7: Yeah, and that'll be that'll use his that'll use Hertz's skill set. That'll put him in position now to make the defense wrong either way. And we did see it in practice, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't make an accurate assessment of who he is until I see those type of things. So so his his, his great card is incomplete, you know, because we do, we have so many questions about what he's going to do in the preseason. I mean, even, even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Coach Gannon's the same way. I mean, we saw all those different fronts, um, yeah. you know, up front. You know, we saw, you know, uh, um, <clears> a, a bare front where they covered the center and both guards. I saw a lot of that, you know, when they bring Jannard Avery down and he's the, you know, rushing defensive end slash – linebacker type of Sam type of player you know we saw all those things in practice but we didn't see it in the game you know they didn't blitz in the game everybody else in the preseason was blitzing uh they got blitzed with uh with with New England they blitzed the heck out of them you know I was watching the game you know the other day where you know uh Seattle was blitzing a lot. we're the only team that didn't blitz we're the only team that didn't run the ball we're the only team that didn't play action we we're the only team that was so vanilla That wouldn't even call it vanilla this, this flavor of ice cream would probably be like um, pistachio <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Because it just was not an offense that I could really see, all right, what he's going to hang his hat on. So I'm, I'm anxious to see this first game, and I can't wait. What do we have, Um, 16 days or, or, or 13 days or something like that to the first yeah, game? Yeah,
2: 13,
1: 13,
2: 13 days. 13 days, yeah. 13 days. Can't all
1: right, parrot, any truth to the rumor that that was – Eight time Shander, who blew up your phone here on the show to say, "What are you talking about? Knicks look great. The offense looks great. What do
7: you mean vanilla offense? We look good on offense." <laughs> well, that was a call. That was a call saying, "All right, then, if it gets any more vanilla, you know, we're going to need a, a new type of ice cream." <laughs> but you right. know, it, I love it, man. I mean, I love all these unknowns going into the season. So I can't really make an accurate assessment where they're going to be at. I'm still saying they're going to be a lot better than what people think they are, but I will say this, you know, Nick Nick has done a good job of of, of, of controlling the team and these guys buying into his system. I will say that.
2: Uh, I want to go back to the offensive line for a second because I don't think enough people are talking about Landon Dickerson. He got hurt in December. So nine months off an ACL would be mid-September for him, maybe late September. Do you really want to shut him down? for six weeks, start him on the NFI list, or do you want him practicing at least so much as quickly as possible? The Eagles are on record saying they don't think this is going to be a red shirt season for him. So you want to shut down that big a part of the season for Landon Dickerson, or do you have to carry him on, on the opening 53?
7: I think they have to carry him on the opening 53 because, you know, like I said, even though Toth and, and, you know, Toth can play and Driscoll can play guard. They're not really guards. They're they're tackles. So you need a guy like that. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Kelsey's long in the tooth, you know, so, you know, you never know what's going to happen with him as far as health because, I mean, halfway through the season, each year he plays, he's held together by bubble gum and duct tape. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he's, 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 he's the walking wounded, you know what I mean? But, you know, there might be a, a time where he's not going to finish uh, this season and you need a guy like Sam Allen move over to over to center and then you need a high quality guard coming in. And Atlanta Dickerson will be that guy. You know, I see him as being that guy. I mean, anytime you can pull off wearing, you know, suspenders <laughs> and uh, cowboy boots and a cowboy hat going to work, not just work, but a game. You know, y- y- you got a lot of confidence in who you are, what you um which you're, you know, showing everybody. So I, I see him as a guy they're going to carry into the season, which, you know, there lies the fact that keeping, you know, a guy like Andre Dillard is, is going to hurt you more so than help you.
1: Barrett, uh, John and I both jumped on the record in the first segment of the show today. need you to do the same here as well. About the Eagle acquisition this past weekend, that they added a starting quarterback, starting level quarterback, last two weeks, two years in the league, who's making NFL minimum and is signed for another year afterwards for a conditional 6th round pick. So if you look at it in that vacuum, that's pretty good trade for Howie Roseman. But we know life is more than just in a vacuum. So weighing everything in, what do you think about the Gardner Minshew acquisition?
7: That's a, a great acquisition, you know, regardless of, of, of what goes on this season. You know, he's there. He's uh he's a capable backup, you know, backup to a backup, give him some time to, you know, to learn the system. But Gardner Mitchell is is a future pick for him. You know, he can come in and start. He started games before, you know. He he's been in, you know, he's been that guy, you know. Plus he brings some character to that locker room, you know, some character to even that meeting room, you know, because we we have some bland quarterbacks, you know what I'm saying? We've always had bland quarterbacks. Yeah. He's good. He's got to bring some character. Yeah, he's yeah. going to bring some character. You know, anytime you can pull off a Fu Manchu, you're yeah. that guy. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, his skill set, he can play. He was on a horrible team though. He hadn't won many yeah. games, but he's definitely had the offense going in the right direction. You know, he's 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 a not a dual threat quarterback, but he's very very um aware of what's going on in the pocket, and he adjusts very well. He can push the ball down the field. He can run that team. You know, he could be a starter. And anytime you can get a player like that, it gives you a leg up um, in this quarterback factory, you know, the quarterback factory we have.
2: But, right, I mean, Barrett, he pulled it off. We just went through this. So, I, I don't know if you saw this, but Ben Standig from The Athletic, he does this thing every year where he talks to 35 agents or so and does sort of a poll. And one of the questions he asked is, who is the most untrustworthy general manager? And Howie Roseman got more votes than anybody else. Now, from a player perspective, you're Jalen Hurts. The Eagles just went through this with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts in the other end. Now you're Jalen Hurts. They haven't exactly got behind you 100%, to say the least. All the Deshaun Watson whispers. And now they bring in a guy, as you mentioned, he's a starting quarterback in this league. He's had some success. He's more proven than Jalen Hurts at the bare minimum. How do you trust howie Roseman if you're a player on this team? We've seen it with Zach Ertz. Is 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 that a problem? You know what? You
7: know, honestly, I think it with besides the quarterback position and Hurts, I think players players like him because he 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 he's great at what he's at. He he he's almost too, he he almost loves older players too much when it comes to you know, Brent. Because I mean, he had Alshon around way too long. He had Jason Peters around way too long, and kept extending them and, and and put them in a position where they were still on the team. So from a player's perspective, he's done right by a lot of players. He brought Alshon in on a on a on a one year minimum, um, uh, not minimum, but you know, top prove wide receiver, it, you know, prove a deal. He ends up doing it, you know, for it. Um, he did it for a lot of players and a lot of players showing, you, know, you know, that they they, they like him for that. Um, you know, even Deshaun, you know, he brought Deshaun back, you know. So players like him in that aspect because he'll keep older players around longer than they should be. But the quarterback position is a different beast, man. It's a, you, you have to think a lot different. So at this point, I know he's just used to it. You know, if Hertz is just used to being a guy that, all right, everybody's just going to push me aside. So he's used to being in this position. So him, you know, you can find a better person to, to understand what it is, you know, it, that your last rep is probably what you're going to be judged on. Right. He understands Barrett, that fully.
1: My last question, is going to be how he related as well. Since you just
7: gave a great answer
1: there on how, how he handles players. Howie made a trade after the last preseason game. Been there, done that. Kind of a staple of the Howie Roseman era here in Philadelphia. Yep. And he usually gets an extension done with a current player on the Eagles roster because they feel strongly about him. He gets to get some money in the bank, doesn't have to fear the injury, maybe get a little bit of a hometown discount, but both sides have to come up with a fair and uh, compromised position that they want. A couple names have been thrown out. Guys, the Eagles may or have already been, or should be talking to. They haven't gotten anything done. We'll even stretch it into the first couple weeks of the season. Eagles going to get a contract extension done with anybody on this roster?
7: A guy that I think that they 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 they're talking to, and they really need to, you know, sign him is, is, is Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton's done an amazing job of of, of playing. And, and, and becoming, work his way into the starter. In fact, he's probably the best linebacker we have on the team right now. I think he's a, a step ahead of even, you know, Eric Wilson. So he's a guy, and Eric Wilson is another one of those guys, but Alex Singleton needs to be rewarded for what he's done. He came in as, a, as a, a, a Canadian football player, special teamer, and has worked his butt off and become a starter in this league. He'll probably have over 110 tackles this year. He's that type of player. He's explosive. You know, he plays the game the right way. So I think Singleton's a guy that they need to re-up. And then I think they're going to start talking to Miles Sanders also about ringing up.
2: Yeah, we had Ryan Paganetti on in hour one, uh, Barrett, the assistant linebackers coach under Doug Peterson, game day, you know, uh, analytics guy. He mentioned when he would chart Alex Singleton's uh, tackles in practice, uh, the guys thought he was lying because he right. has so many more <laughs> than everybody else. He's done an amazing job. Amazing, yeah. Amazing job. He really is maybe the most underrated uh player on this football team. But Barrett Brooks, thanks for hopping on the program. The middle, Aton Shander, Harry Mays. You guys might get some cuts live during the show because <laughs> I can't believe they're going to have these guys practice before cut down day.
7: That is unbelievable, man. But hey, I've seen it happen. I mean, remember when uh, Big Red – Made uh, well, George And yeah.
2: playing Patrick Mahomes, by the way. <laughs> Eight o'clock, Patrick Mahomes is playing, looking like the greatest quarterback who ever lived. And Jalen Hurts is in bubble wrap. Right. So, you know, <laughs> you, you do the math there. I don't get it. Uh, Absolutely, man.
1: <laughs> Double B, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for coming out. Thanks a lot, coach. guys. Appreciate it. We'll you. get John playing during the year. That's Barrett Brooks. Uh, you can catch him on the middle with, as John just mentioned, Harry Mays and Aton Chan. I think it was son who did call. During the show, by the way, we heard Barrett's phone ring. I think Could it was be. eight time. I want to see that phone, Barrett. Uh, we thank Barrett for hopping on board. We'll get him back plenty during the year. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, we got a couple minutes to come back. Maybe McMullen will get a text between now and when we come 10-0-2, back. But
2: 10-02, 10-02, I uh, got probably, it
1: right here. Probably till not after 10 o'clock but uh, we'll see come back I got one more Gardner Minshew point to make before we wrap up this edition of birds 365
0: as a hard working American you've never experienced how tough life can be until now a catastrophic injury while working on the job a personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story it's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley law firm and managing partner, Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this.
3: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m ibew local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry so when you're planning your next industrial commercial or residential project choose an ibew local 98 union contractor learn more at ibew98.org
4: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day as long as you can find it here's what we suggest Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see Hot Garlic, Tropical Heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite Huckin' What's that? Huckin' Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get
0: scared
5: sometimes.
4: Of a lot of things.
5: Joining in. field of life first trust bank is there for you seven, 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 eight, eight, eight. because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
1: Jamacca mac guys mcmullen and mcdonald here on birds 365 i'm jacob media YouTube channel, a new venture for both John and myself. We've never been YouTube guys before. Now, McMullen's been writing about the league for decades. I've been talking about the league for more decades than that on the radio side. And John, just let me put this in the mix about Cardinal because it's something I've learned over my radio career. Maybe more so over the last 10 years because I've been doing a national show. Forever I was either a New York guy or a Philadelphia guy doing a local sports talk show And then you look at it from the local team's perspective. Everything. Everything that happens, you look from the local team's perspective. And what a lot of fans miss out on, and I'm assuming that 99.9% of our audience are Eagle fans that are listening right now. Here's what I'm going to ask them all to do. Take a big step back and look at it from the Jaguars' perspective. Almost always, local fans never do that. They never take the time to look at it from the other team's perspective. It's only how does it affect us? What was our line of thinking? Why did we do this? Why does it fit for us? How about from a Jaguar perspective? If you've got Gardner Minshew, and uh, like I said, do yourself a favor, read Ruben's column on NBC Sports uh, about Gardner Minshew stats, because you'll be taken aback by some of them. (laughs) Oh, my God.
7: He's this guy's true. on his
1: way to the Hall of Fame, yeah. which you can make numbers sing and dance the way that you want them to. And it's that they, they just don't apply here, but they are what they are. If that's the fact, if he is heading off to the Hall of Fame, why are the Jaguars giving him up for a conditional 6th round pick? Yes. They got Trevor Lawrence and yes, he's going to be their starting quarterback and he should be. They've got CJ Beathard now as their backup. Who do you think's better, Gardner Minshew or C.J. Beth? Well, Gardner Minshew's going to the Hall of Fame, so it's got to be Gardner Minshew, right? No. So you're trading a better backup. Who's your
2: third quarterback overall?
1: What's the kid Lute's first name?
2: Luke Luton? Wait, I, I don't even know who their third string is. Their third quarterback
1: string is. quarterback is the kid Luton, who actually went and played for him a little bit last year. But he's not Gardner Minshew. So why would Jacksonville give up this really good player this guy who's heading to Canton because it's numbers, as per uh, Ruben uh, number crunching, my buddy Ruben Frank, why would you do? Yeah. Why would you give a guy up? Because he's not going to be happy there. Because yeah. they see the potential uh, tumult in the locker room of him being the yeah.
2: backup quarterback yeah. to a young quarterback. Yeah. Well, what and did the Eagles just buy themselves that- into? I threw out that pinch hitter. Now you know, Jody, you're an old school baseball guy. So you go back to the names of Manny Mota. If you want to go Philadelphia, Deloncer, there were probably a hundred better players than Deloncer. The Eagles, uh, the the Phillies could have had as a pinch hitter. You got to accept the role to be good at it. I, you got I to accept. Mo- the I go more Tommy
1: Hutton if I went old right. school Philly pinch hitter. All right, but- Tommy. Okay. That you too is more point. of a regular you, player for my money.
2: But I, I, I nitpick. I'm sorry. You get the point, though. You have to accept the role. Nick Bowles, you have to accept the role of backup quarterback or you can't be a good backup quarterback. There are teams in this league, they do it all the time. Trevor Lawrence is Jacksonville's guy. All they want is somebody to support him, not undermine him, support him. He's their guy. They're not looking at anybody else. The Eagles are, that's why I said the Eagles already went down this road. It blew up in their face. Now, it's a little bit different from this time because they don't have, they don't view Jalen Hurts as the long term future, at least yet. They viewed Carson Wentz as the long term future. So it was the worst decision with Carson Wentz. Here, you just throw darts at the dartboard. You're waiting. You can't get to Sean Watson. Maybe you get Spencer Rattler. You can't get Spencer Rattler, you might get Sam Howell. You can't get Sam Howell, you might get one of these other college quarterbacks that are projected to be potential top 10 picks. Or, or to be fair, maybe Jalen Hurts turns the corner and becomes that guy, but he's not that guy right now. So I think from Howard Roseman's perspective is get as many darts as you can to throw at the dartboard. Maybe one of them hits. Until you get the real guy you're confident in. It. That's what I think the plan is. Right.
1: Jake Luton is the third string Jake one Luton. back in Jacksonville. And he's
2: not he's not a good dart, Jake Luton. Yeah, that's
1: a sixth round draft pick. Although remember, Gardner was a sixth round draft, sixth round draft pick, pick. Yeah. Last week. Last and by, year, by the way, war, the Eagles
2: back in twenty nineteen, they picked Clayton Thorson eleven picks before Jacksonville got Gardner Minshew. And, and you see, here's the thing that I
1: feel badly about undermining what Gardner can come in here and do. I criticized the Eagles for that pick. I was a Gardner Minshew fan. I said, I think he's a stealer. I thought he was like a fourth round pick. How did you pass on him to take Clayton Thornton? I had this conversation on the air on WIP when the draft came down. So now I feel like I'm almost obligated to get excited because Gardner Minshew is going to be here. And I still like the kid's talent, mm-hmm. but... I think they're opening up Pandora's box, which they did last year with Jalen Hurts. And shame on Carson Wentz. We don't need to relitigate this again about yeah. Carson. But and his, and, his and I
2: do think, Jalen, as Barrett pointed, but pointed out, Jalen's used to this, man. I feel bad for the kid at some point. Nobody believes in him. They're always thinking about the next guy. They're always thinking about turning the page. He's uniquely suited to do it. He'll handle it better than Carson Wentz did. He will handle it much better. But it does give you a pers- it, it it gives you a look into what the organization really thinks about Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, people. They don't believe in him.
1: Let me go back to the other guest we had today. And if you missed it, if you jumped in middle shell, go back and check out the first hour with Ryan Paganetti, the game management assistant under Doug Peterson here, and former assistant linebacker coach as well. When the Eagles signed Alex Singleton, it was like – talk about throwing darts. That's all it was, bringing in a guy from the CFL. They're throwing darts, and they're going to give this guy a chance. And he made it to his first year. Ooh, and then his second year, he started standing out. And Ryan told us about the practice charting, and he's in on every single play. His percentage of tackles from when he was on the field was off the charts. They accused him of cheating. He's not that good. He can't be that good. Oh, yeah, he was and he was the eagles best linebacker last year and we expect him to be the eagles best linebacker this year that's what jalen hurts has to do say all right guys, go you going to be you can call me throwing darts i'll go out and throw darts in the game and i'll make myself the starting quarterback of philadelphia today tomorrow next week yep. next year the next decade and that's the,
2: off. that's that's the path he has that's a good analogy jody's got to be alex singleton at the quarterback position you got to seize the one small opportunity you have. Boom. And if you play well, they're not taking you off the field.
1: All right. Last thing it's after 10 o'clock. Check your phone. Did you get a text from the Eagles? Did they Yeah, Not yet.
2: yet. It's 10.01, if everyone can see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're probably about 60 seconds away from the Eagles releasing their cuts. Well, then guess what? You're going to hear about it right here. 22 hours from now on the next episode of birds 365.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running. Everything
3: would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.